Christ is telling you, if you endure, you will find that there is no pain at all at the end. So, yeah, that's, that's worthy of a hand clap. But back to the word endure. A quick Google search of the word endure will bring you a nice little definition, and it says this. Where'd it go? To hold out without yielding, to bear with patience, or without resistance. So I ask you today, church, is there anybody here got any stuff going on in your life that you're having to endure? Okay, there's about three of you. If you're really honest with yourself, there is something that might be pressing on you. It might be pushing you. It might be making you feel like you're going to break. But God says he gives us the tools to endure. Now, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you if you're not saved today that the things of this world will just magically vanish when you say a prayer of salvation. It doesn't work that way. It also doesn't work when you write a check or a love offering to Frontline Ministries and, and your problems are going to disappear. It's worth a shot. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Thanks. I figured I'd throw that in there. The troubles we go through and things that we experience can't just be explained away. I read an article a couple weeks back, it, it was called Things I Wish Christians Would Admit About the Bible. And one of them was that the Bible is not a magic book. How many times do we carry it around, do we carry Scripture like it's some fairy dust that if somebody has a bad situation, if somebody has something going on in their life that's really troubling and really trial, that's a really big trial, that we can just sprinkle a Scripture on it and it goes away. Scripture doesn't work that way. But what, how it works is it gives us the tools to endure the mess that we are in. It gives us the tools to escape the storm that we are in. Is anybody hearing me today? That sounded mean. I didn't really mean it to sound mean. Look at the scripture there. I'd ask, uh, it's pretty cool. I asked Mark to create me a, a graphic for this, uh, for this series that we're going to be in. And I didn't tell him any scripture. And he put the scripture, Matthew 24, 13, on there. And that was actually the, uh, the theme scripture for this uh, series. So that was pretty cool. And it says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's the key, church. That's the exit strategy. Why do we endure? Why do we carry our burdens? In the end, we shall be saved. That is why we do what we do. That is why we hold on for dear life when the world crushes us, when it presses in. It's so that we can be saved. You know, there's a scary proposition going around right now. There's a scary theology. I use air quotes to describe it because it's not theology. It's that there are people who try to erase the existence of hell. Now, if you don't believe me, get online and read about it. There's all kinds of 
of stories and scriptures and articles that people will try to use and twist and pervert to say that there is no hell. And the question I see time after time is that if God truly loves us unconditionally, how could he damn someone to hell? That's the question that is proposed. And I say it's an in incorrectly worded question. Because here's the thing. I have students all the time that come to me after class is over. Why did you give me an F? Why did you give me a B? I deserved an A. Why did you give me this grade? And I tell them, I say, first of all, you're asking the wrong question. What you should be saying is, why did I earn this grade? Because what we do is we don't get, I don't give grades. I don't, I don't give grades at all. Students earn them. And here's the thing that I want to make sure is that we understand that a grade is a reflection of our choices to do what we will with the information that has been presented to us. And so there's going to come a time in this life when you have a grade assigned to your life because there has been information presented to you that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is our choice then to accept that information and apply it to our life or we reject that information and we spend the rest of our lives in ignorance. And then because of that choice, then it determines our destination. If we endure to the end, we see heaven. If we reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if you leave here today without making a decision, you've made your decision. You do not want to have part of what Jesus Christ has. And I'm telling you this, those who do not accept Jesus Christ will go to hell. And it's not a hell that was created for man. It was created for the demons and Satan. But because of the, the separation that sin has created, that is now a destination if we do not freely choose Jesus Christ. But back to the idea of endurance. That one was for free. Over the next few weeks, I'd like to follow a familiar story in the Bible. Someone who we all, most of us, would know. If you don't, then you'll get to know him over these uh, next couple weeks. And he followed a path that is described in that song that we heard. He endured the pain to find no pain at all. And who we're talking about today is Joseph. Now, I've referenced Joseph a few times uh, when I preach, and I like to refer to his story. But I've never really went in depth with the things that he had to go through. And you talk about somebody who had to endure some stuff. Joseph had some things going on in his life that if we put our situation up next to his situation, then our problems seem a little smaller. That's, that's the awesome thing. But in Genesis chapter 37, we're going to start with verse 2. It says, this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilal and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was, the, he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Gosh, even at a young age, Joseph did not get along with his brothers or the other guys that were around him. And one of those reasons was that he was a tattletale. Anybody know a tattletale? We don't like tattletales, do we? 
until we have a reason to be the tattletale, then it's okay to be a tattletale. And of course, even when I say that, when I say the words tattletale, it'll have a negative connotation. Now, of course, uh, until Kaya gets here, we won't have the opportunity to have a, a child ratting out another child. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, Keaton, the, the way he's been going, he's going to be one of those that tells a uh, little, little girl that snitches get stitches. I mean, <laughs> he's going to... I think he's going to be an enforcer, but she's going to give him everything she can handle. He can handle. But I have been on the other side of that. I grew up with two sisters, and I have been both the tattler and the tattlee. Is that a word? <laughs> the one who's tattled on? And it's, it's never fun to be the tattlee, right? You always want to be the tattler. You always want to be the one that runs to mom. So-and-so did this. Or have you, ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever done something to a sibling and immediately regret it? And uh, no, not me. I'm not speaking from experience or anything. I did set Kristen down in the cat litter box one time. <laughs> and I, I knew, I knew as soon as her feet crunched the litter that I was in trouble. <laughs> it's just one of those things, you just know it. It's always okay to tattle until we're the ones being told on. But we read this story and think, okay, well, Joseph, he's, he's starting out on a bad foot. He's, he's going to deserve then what he, what's coming to him because he's a tattletale. Well, but we have no idea what was going on, what was being told. Joseph went to tell on the brothers and the other men with him, what if they weren't doing their job? They were out in the, out in the field watching the flocks. I'm telling you, if you're family or if you're just somebody of a complete stranger, if me and you are working together and you leave the entire to-do list to me, you're getting told on, son. I'm just telling you right now that it ain't going to happen. That, I would do that for money in high school. I would uh, do other people's work. I didn't say that out loud, but <laughs> you got to make it economical, okay? That's just what I'm saying. But if you leave the, the work to somebody else, then you can expect to be told on at work, right? I mean... You don't just show up to work and let somebody else do it all. But we see from the very beginning that Joseph was a man of integrity. He was 17 years old, and yet he tried to hold everybody around him to a high standard. The problem is, everybody around you don't want to be held to a high standard. The sooner you learn that, the better off that you will be. But he felt the need to do the right thing. He felt the need to be honest no matter what the cost. And let me tell you something. When we do that, that will cause us some problems. Doing the right thing drew the contempt of his brothers. But wow, I wish that's the way that Christians could be described. We are always willing and ready to do the right thing. We're always ready to be honest. How many know that that should be the way that people describe us? It should be the way that people look at Christians, but the way that people look at Christians is usually the complete opposite of that. They want to be looked at as honest and, and having integrity, but they're really not. They're fakes. When we desire to do the right thing, we might have to endure some trials and troubles. I'm going to say that again. When we desire to do the right thing, we might have to endure some trials 
and troubles. This isn't overly spiritual right here, but I want to say this. Don't cut corners in anything that you do. You know, we, we talk so much about our spiritual lives and our spiritual selves, and it, and it is definitely connected to our spiritual selves, but in our physical life, too. Since we are Christians, we should always want excellence in all areas of our life. In our fitness, <laughs> dismiss. In our work, in our family, in our spiritual walk, we should desire excellence. We should strive for greatness. Don't settle for less than your best. I know I sound like a motivational speaker. I sound like somebody giving the address at graduation. But it's truth. We don't need to settle for anything less than what we have to offer. Christians should be leading the way in technology, in medicine, in education, in everything that we do because we should desire to give our absolute best to this earth so that we can praise and proclaim the name of Jesus through everything that we do. <laughs> it sounded like I was pausing for a hand clap there. I was actually looking for where I was on the page. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but how many times are, instead of Joseph, are we the brothers? Are we on the other side of that? And we, we try to do it. Don't even act like, oh, I, I bring 110% everywhere that I go, all the time, in everything that I do. Come, the altars are open right now. <laughs> Just come on up. Because we, we try to get, we try to settle. And we, <laughs> we uh, get lazy. I had some students message me right after grades were posted. And I've, I've mentioned this several times, but it, it just it come back around this time. And I had, I had a college algebra class, and I had two students in particular. They contacted me, and want, they wanted to know what passing was. Well, they got Ds, and they were ecstatic. I mean, just absolutely, I made it. I, I only got that bottom rung, but I don't care because I passed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Holy One is on my side. They were excited. And some, you know, of course, we, uh, we even give people hard times for being perfectionists, don't we? When people want something done right and they want it done right every time, we tell them, they're, oh, you're a perfectionist, you need to calm down. But, uh, but this is what we see, that Joseph endured pure hatred from his brothers for wanting excellence in his life. Now, that was one reason that he had to endure some things. The second reason was that he was old dad's favorite. Now, take it from me, it is tough being the favorite child. I mean... <laughs> the jealousy that you endure from your siblings is just overwhelming at some times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I joke, I kid. Jamie's obviously a favorite. <laughs> Sorry, Kristen. But in all seriousness, it's one thing to feel like you're the favorite sibling. It's another thing entirely for your dad to tell you, hey, you're my favorite. And you know, I'm going to show you that you're my favorite. I'm going to give you this nice little coat. It's got all kinds of nice colors on it. 
And you know what that translates to? The coat of many colors was the coat of many dollars because that thing was expensive. It was made out of expensive material. It was sewn together with love in every stitch. And he gave it to him and he flaunted it like nobody's business down the catwalk. And he would just open it up and do this. And then he'd go back. But it was a constant reminder to the brothers that they don't live up to the standard that Joseph presents. Now, if you really want to make your siblings mad, tell them you're better than them. I'm just, just putting that out there. Sometimes, hey, you know what? Being a child of the king, when you're a child of God, you know what comes on your life? It's called favor. And favor ain't fair. I've heard that all of my life because there are things, there are blessings that are poured out on your life that you cannot contain when you call yourself a child of the king. When he calls you a child of the king, there are things that are going to come on your life. And you know what? When we flaunt it, when we show people that, hey, 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 I'm a child of the one true king, they might get a little mad at you. They might get a little jealous of you and somebody might actually come against you and say bad things about you. Being a child of the king can open, your, uh, open you up to ridicule. Now, it says Joseph's brothers could not speak peaceably to him. Anybody got somebody like that in your life? You just, you don't seem like that you can have a decent conversation with them without things going sideways. They have nothing to, good to say about you. Anybody got someone in your life that just doesn't matter, no matter what you seem to do, they do not like you. Maybe you see them out. You wave and you try to be friendly, and they just stare daggers your way. Mm -hmm. I'm not speaking from experience or anything. Or do you treat somebody like that? Maybe there's somebody that you just do not like, and everything they say, you're just, oh, yes, and then when they move away, you're just staring them down, daggers, just scoo-choo-choo. You know, I make, I make a lot of that, but there's always people in our life that are sandpaper people. They're going to rub us the wrong way and it's going to be coarse and aggressive and it's going to hurt. But endure. God is with us, church. If you are a child of the King, there is favor on your life and it may make it difficult to get along with some people, but the blessing that God is going to pour out on your life as a result of being His child uh, is unmatched in anything else that we can ever imagine. It may, we may have trouble getting along with certain people, but we are to hold fast to Him. Here's something else I thought about when I read this scripture. I never really considered this part. But the scripture makes it look like, well, what we need to do is it makes us think about the way that we view the lives of other people. Because on the outside, Joseph seemed to have it all and be it all. He was dad's favorite. He had that awesome coat. He was always the one who was honest and, and had integrity in his work. And maybe we see the nice clothes. We see a good job. We see a pretty face, a nice vehicle, a seemingly perfect life. But I've learned something in my vast number of years on this earth. And that is that we see of others what they want us to see. There's a certain level that's always hidden underneath the surface. If we look at Joseph's exterior, it looks awesome. 
He's dad's favorite. He's got a nice coat. Things are perfect. But then his brothers can't even stand him. Now, we, we were a pretty close family growing up. And think about working with your family, thinking about being with your family at all times and looking at your brothers, the ones who are supposed to be the closest relationships on the planet to you, and looking around, and they can't say anything nice to you. They can't look at you without giving you a bad look, and they can't stand the sight of you. We don't see that in other people. So what I want to say is we, we never know the storm that somebody else is enduring when we look at the surface. We never know the struggle that they might have going on inside of them when on the outside everything looks perfect. Let's don't pretend to have all the answers to people's situations. Let's don't jump to conclusions. Let's pray for each other instead. Here's a prayer I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor and repeat this after me. I don't know your struggle, but God does. Here's my prayer for you. Endure. And remember that. Remember to pray for each other. Remember that we don't know the entire situation. Let's move on in the story. Genesis 37, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf stood and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream. Man. And told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I... And your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. Man, your brothers can't stand you. The word hatred is even mentioned. And on top of the tattling and the new coat, he begins to have dreams. Now, we've all had those dreams, that those uh, I ate pizza too late in the evening dreams where it's, it's just wild and crazy things. But these aren't those kind of dreams. These were, my family's going to bow down and worship me someday. But if I could give him one piece of advice, that's probably things to file under, things never to tell my brothers who hate me, <laughs> is that you guys are going to bow down and worship me someday. I know, I know, I've got this wonderful code, and you, you might want to do a little worshiping right now, but that's, that comes later. And even dad, his, the, the one who's his favorite, his biggest advocate tells him, now son, you've gone a little too far now. That's a little too much to say because you said, you know, you, you remember how I love to tell on you guys? And, and you remember that nice coat that dad got me? Well, you're going to get a kick out of this. I'm just telling you that someday... I'm going to be standing up here, and you guys are going to be down here, and it's going to be awesome, right? Right? High five, high five. <laughs> but if we can take one thing from that story, 
is that we give Joseph a tough time, but those were some mighty big dreams that he was having. And praise God, he had the boldness to see those things that God had given him. Church, God is wanting to give us some mighty big dreams, even against the people who have come against us, even if the enemy has said we can't be anything, we can't do anything, you'll never amount to anything. God's story over your life is a whole lot different than the one that the enemy tries to sell you. The destiny over your life is a lot bigger than what we try to do. He's trying to give us dreams. He's trying to get into our minds and show us the things that he wants us to see. We just have to be open to it. If we, yeah. We limit him though. We cut him off and we doubt him. But he offers us the fullness of his blessings. Don't ever doubt that you are destined for greatness. Each and every one of you. It's not of ourselves though. It's to give God the glory. Now, I'll say this though. When you begin to share big dreams and plans that God has revealed to you, your friends, your family, most of the time it's the people closest to you are going to doubt and they're going to shower you in skepticism. I had somebody tell me once, when I told them I was called to preach, they said, don't expect to set the world on fire. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> that's, uh, that's encouraging. But that skepticism comes from even within the church. Mostly it's the greatest within the church. That when God calls us to do something, when he calls us to something big, all of a sudden these, these doubts start trying to trickle in. But the key is to endure. Don't lose sight of the dreams that God has given you. Joseph didn't lose sight of it just because his brothers hated him over it. He didn't, he didn't lose the fact that God had given him this dream even in the toughest times. And I'm telling you what, Joseph had some tough times that we're going to get into later on. But what I want to say is that people may hate you. They may make fun of you because of the plans and the dreams that God has placed in your life, but endure. Stick with it because he's got some great and mighty things that he wants to do in your life. God will give us visions. He will give us dreams. We can't lay them down simply because of doubt. We must endure to see those dreams fulfilled. We must endure against ourselves. I'm going to say we must endure against ourselves. How many times do we feel encouragement from the people all around us? We have a calling on our life. We have a gift in our life. Everybody around us is encouraging us to use that gift, but then the doubt, it's in here. All we do is we're paralyzed in self-doubt. Endure against yourself. And silence the skepticism. Joseph had no way of knowing the amount of pain and suffering that he would have to endure. I pray none of us ever see what he did. We'll pick that back up next week. What I'd like to do here is revisit the song that I played with that one particular lyric in, in mind. Endure the pain to find no pain at all. And the scripture we started with, Matthew 24, 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. You know, that, that song says, if you will let me lead, 
you won't fall again. Huh. I love that. That's Christ's song to each and every one of us today.